Well, time to get into a bit of a thoroughbred racing and momentum. That's a word for the racing industry at the moment, off the back of Entain's injection into our gambling landscape. The Caraca Millions was a huge celebration of reinvigorated stakes, renewed enthusiasm and serious investment across the board from Entain, NZTR and the private players who have kept the sport ticking over. The innovation hasn't stopped yet, though, and maybe the biggest splash is yet to come with uh, NZB Kiwi, a $3.5 million slot race for three-year-old horses next year, being launched with an auction next Tuesday night, taking place for the slots themselves. It's head-spinning stuff when you consider how quickly we've had a shot in the arm. So to chat it all through with us and break down the momentum, we welcome the CEO of NZTR, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. That is Bruce Sherrick. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Smithy. How are you? I'm damn good, actually. I, I really am, Bruce, and I'm buoyed by this, uh, this news and <clears throat> just a continuation of, of some good stuff lately. Yeah, look, it is, and, you know, it's not without time, if I'm being honest. Uh, a lot of thought and effort went into it collectively uh, between NDTR, Entain, and the TAB, uh, just around the fact that, you know, we have this opportunity. We need to try and transform the industry as best we can. And so uh, sort of come together to, to work it out. Uh, the summer period, as was announced uh, a few weeks back, was uh, the period that's positioned best of all to, uh, to excite uh, not only the domestic industry, but through Australasia as well. So we've sort of done a few things and resequenced the pattern um, and come up with a, uh, a slot race called the NZB Kiwi, which uh, we have the option uh, next Tuesday night. Bruce, Louis here. Good to talk, mate. It's um, been a wee while since we've been able to talk, and since then the, the, the game's kind of been turned on its head, and I know that will be really pleasing for you because you, you had a bit of a, a mountain to, to climb, and you've done a lot of legwork before Entain even got into the picture. So congratulations to you and, and your team. Um, it's been very impressive to watch from the sidelines. I'm just wondering, mate, quite literally, what goes into reformatting and reprogramming a summer? I, I'm not too sure what the answer is here, so I'm sure our, our listeners will find this interesting as well because you referenced it you really have kind of um re-jigsaw puzzled the whole summer of racing for the better i think but it's no small feat so how do you do it yeah look and and i will defer to greater brains than mine um you know we've got a we've got a pattern committee here in new zealand uh we we commissioned a few people to provide insight um including the guys from insane particularly lock and fit as a, as a bit of a racing nerd when it comes to understanding the pattern. Um, so, look, the parties come together and really looked at the sequencing of the races, you know, looking at a pinnacle event. So, effectively working back, if you think of the Champions Day as one, where you wanted to host four Group 1s, a slot race, a Pearl Series final, etc., and make it the, the biggest race um, day in New Zealand history, uh, you sort of work back from that and try and resequence. What you then have to do is go and work with each of the clubs and what we did is ask them for leadership and vision as well, sort of saying, look, here's what we think. And what we first put to clubs didn't end up being the final um, calendar. So we worked with clubs on what was important to them, but equally important to the greater industry. So it's like moving a jigsaw around, Louis. It's trying to put the pieces uh, into a puzzle that makes the most sense, first and foremost, for the integrity of the sport, but equally close beside that is to ensure that the wagering side of it gives us the best opportunity to grow. And uh, trying to keep it as simple as that and high level, that's kind of how we landed it. Yeah, well, at a, at a high level, that makes sense. And I guess there's a bit of builder and they will come element to this. 
did you have to be wary of the stakeholders? I assume you consulted with lots of different parties and um, Sean's team and, and, and lots of different uh, associations. But do you have to be wary of if our product is ready for this sort of investment? Because this is big bickies now and, again, build it and they will come. But in year one, year two, are you confident that we're going to be able to service this sort of investment? Yeah, I assume you mean by service, ensure that we have the whole stock uh, to fulfil the fields and the quality of the fields that we desire. And if that is the question, then, yeah, look, a lot of research went into our horse numbers uh, when we seen horses go across the ditch. And, you know, if you take the three-year-olds as one example, which is the most uh, glaring example, the pathway from the Guineas and Rickerton uh, gives the option of our three-year-olds to stay around minimum, if they're not derby horses, to work their way through the Guineas programs, the other side of Christmas, up into a slot, uh, if they're uh, lucky enough to be selected in that. But equally, if they're derby horses, they push on to the week or so after and head to the derby. Now, post that, you know, if they head across to the uh, autumn in, uh, in Sydney particularly, then that's fantastic for our pattern as well because uh, if they manage the success of our of our horses last year, it's only going to improve the ratings and therefore improve the overall state of our business. So, yeah, look, we are. We also believe in some early conversations with our colleagues across the uh, across the ditch. Do they also see it as an attractive place to bring uh, a number of horses through what what to them also looks like an exciting period? So. It's another phase of work for us to engage and make it easy um, for our trainers and owners across the ditch to come across and, and play in our playground uh, for, you know, two or three months um, between January and March. OK, Bruce, so let's get down to the nitty-gritty. How does it work and, and, and what are you expecting to come out of the auction next Tuesday night? Yeah, look, uh, very simply, I mean, first and foremost, we have circa 40 registered bidders for what is uh, nine slots available that are going out for auction. Um, I think it's well known that the clubs that host qualifying races for the bonus, so you mentioned the $3.5 million stake, for the uh, slot race, there is also a million-dollar bonus attached should they happen to win one of the qualifying races on the way through, starting with the Guineas and Richter. So those four clubs, uh, CJC uh, Race Group down in uh, in the Central Districts, Waikato Thoroughbred Racing and Auckland Thoroughbred Racing each have a slot um, that isn't at auction, but they do pay for it at the entry level. So uh, we think that's the right thing to do. It encourages regional support. It encourages, uh, I guess, a wide net in terms of engaging the wider audience. And then what happens on the night? There are nine nine slots to be auctioned. Uh, the starting reserve over three years is 450000 um, And then effectively, may the best man win. Um, the auction will start. And uh, we'll see where we end up after, uh, after the night. And um, the auctioneer pulls every last cent out of uh, those that have lined up. And as I say, we're at this stage, uh, there's about 40 registered bidders, including some very big names, you know, your Chris Wallace, your Cambridge Studs, Daniel Narclays, Tony Pikes, Gay Waterhouse, your Intain and New Longs are uh, expressed interest but haven't yet registered. So, yeah, there's some heavy hitters there. That's a, that was a, uh, actually probably preempted uh, my next question, but I was just going to say the level of overseas interest in this because, you know, it's not to be sneezed at, that kind of money, especially when you look at the lead-up race as well that you were talking about. Um, along the way, another mill there. Um, I, I just... The expressions of interest, will they turn into uh, registrations, you feel? 
Yeah, look, I do. I do, Smitty. I mean, I think, as I say, uh, we've got 40 for nine, uh, not the smartest kid in school, but that'll, that'll certainly garner a bit of interest when they're uh, all having a crack at nine slots. And so, you know, as of, I think, two days ago, there was some very, very serious uh, interest out of Singapore as well, um, someone that's been investing in, in thoroughbred racing over there. And clearly, we all know the future in Singapore is uh, coming to a close and uh, saw the divestment of their investment across here it was something they wanted to do. So that's encouraging as well. From our point of view, how do we follow uh, progress of the auction? Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, live on Trackside. Um, yep. So from 7pm on Tuesday night, uh, people will be able to watch it. Um, I do understand that some of the mainstream uh, television channels may come and do a cross during the sporting uh, or sports elements on, on the news channels but you will be able to see it on Trackside. Um, equally on the night, there will be the barrier draw for the derby, uh, which will also be, uh, I guess, for some, uh, a tense moment to make sure they get the right draw in the, in the big event. This could be a very stupid question, and I, I'm, I'm sure it, you've consider, considered it. Is there a chance that you guys make a, a profit? What happens if these these slots, like the egos start flying and, and all of a sudden these slots start going for a, a big amount. Is, no, is that possible? Is no, that what we hope? Well, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's more than a hope. I mean, to be frank, what we have to do is make sure that this race is self-funding. As you will appreciate, um, once the auction is complete, we need to market this race and have it um, gain some real interest in the, in the wider um, sporting context as well as the industry. So we've got a marketing plan sitting behind it, and surplus funds outside of the minimum will be used for that over three years. So as you can appreciate, it's one auction for three years. So, you know, if we're lucky enough to pick up half a million dollars, um, that'll be used to invest into it because this this race needs to be a standalone race and fully funded uh, as a project in its own. So we're not looking to use industry money to fund the race. Have you asked your brother whether he's willing to sell a paddock and buy a slot? That would be good. That, 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 that'd be good for the race. Well, we'd see. Look, I don't, I don't think he's your buyer. And saying that, you know, I think the thing, and in, in maybe you may have touched on it, the commercial terms attached to the slot race are, are pretty attractive. I mean, if we use the minimums as the known number, 125000 mm-hmm. is your outlay in year one. Um, you're guaranteed a, a $100,000 return on that if you finish last. So, you know, yes, it, it bumps up slightly into year two and year three. But, uh, you know, as I say, even even last over three years gives you $300,000 in return or slightly escalated as the, as the value of the race goes up. So, yeah, look, the commercial terms are pretty sound. And when we compared them across a number of the other slot concepts around Australasia, they certainly uh, sit right at the top in terms of a percentage return back to those that are investing in it. So we're pretty, we're pretty uh, happy with where the commercial side of this sits. Yeah, it's really exciting, and I think the the for me, I think the genius part of this is the three year old aspect. Actually, I think it, as you explain, where it sits in the calendar and the upside of horses, and, and knowing what our market is still very much as a trade market, and, and horses kind of getting through their three year old careers, and then very much being taken across the ditch, and sometimes being sold. Hopefully, this will encourage people to keep their horse in New Zealand, give them something aspirational to, and and I know that will, but it also gives them the ability to then, if they want to, still trade their horse do so afterwards i think it makes perfect sense bruce can i just tack left and i know it's something you've thought about a lot 
when we talk turnover and prosperity of the racing industry and thoroughbred racing in particular, we have to be very real with one of the biggest factors of overseas turnover, I believe, is and in, in, uh, betting and wagering on our sport is um, jockey uh, understanding and familiarity and it's been awesome to have a couple of Australians come over here and try and raid our prize money and I'm sure it contributes to the, the sort of turnover that we see on these nights which ultimately comes back into the game. Where are we at with our, our young jockeys, our apprentice schools? Um, have you been able to make any headwind there and uh, well, you know, headway there into the wind and what are our numbers looking like? What are the projects going on from NZTR's perspective to kind of look after this space for the next 10 years? You've been, you've been attending one of the road shows, Louis. You must have been in the back. I didn't see you. Um, <laughs> I've got spies everywhere, Bruce. <laughs> Look, um, I've, I've signalled for some time, Louis, that I think uh, that the program that our jockeys, not only apprentices, but our senior jockeys um, currently have, needs to be improved. Uh, we, you know, the background I have is coming through the elite um, sport in, in the both in the both footy codes. And what I've seen is that, you know, we're decades behind where we need to be in terms of a professional athlete and delivering professional athletes. So uh, next Tuesday, I'll actually present something to the board, which is, a, which is uh, in line with the high-performance program, um, aligning ourselves with high-performance sport and starting to really raise the bar in terms of not only selection but ongoing training and development of these young men and women who need to start focusing on themselves as professional athletes, uh, the participants and stakeholders seeing them as professional athletes. So there's a lot going into this. Uh, there will be an investment required, but um, I think it's something that is transformational to our industry because, to your point, um, from a wagering perspective, the better quality that we have, the better recognised that we have, uh, it grows a reputation, and just on the back of that, wagering grows. So, look, it's something that needs to be done and uh, we're, we're getting very close and if uh, all is approved uh, by the board, 1 August we'll see something that I think in five years' time you'll look back and say that had a real major shift uh, to the quality and professionalism of our of our young men and women as jockeys. Bruce, it wasn't that long ago that the industry were forced to make uh, track closures, um, cut back on a lot of uh, particular areas, which didn't go down too, too well in some of the country areas, but by the by, they've had to bite the bullet, and that has progressed. Uh, where are we at in, in, in that sort of shape now in terms of uh, the industry overall? Are we looking at more stability? Yeah, look, we asked somebody again, another piece of work uh, I inherited. There was a 219 and a 21 um, directions paper which outlined a bit of a venue plan. Uh, I want to bring that to a close. Consultation, uh, we're in the middle of that right now. Uh, and submissions, uh, I think, is a, not I think, 29th of February, they close. Uh, we will then, over the next ensuing month, go over that with the team and present something to the board about what I believe um, should be the venue plan going forward. What I would say before any alarm bells ring is, you know, a lot of progress has been made, some of it naturally through COVID and the servicing costs, the TAB, etc. So we're not a mile off. Uh, the other part I will quickly add is, you know, we're seeing more and more climatic issues. Uh, we're seeing overuse of some tracks which are leading to uh, the recovery not as good as we would like. So, you know, it's not about pulling the trigger and trying to minimise our, our, uh, our venue footprint. It's making sure that we've got enough uh, grass tracks in particular to service, hopefully, a growing volume of horses. I mean, what we do need to stabilise, guys, is a declining fold crop over the last two decades. Um, we need to improve our starter numbers 
and we do think strategically that improving the stakes and the positivity around uh, the race, the race calendar and the sport as a whole will start to do that. And already anecdotally we're seeing some green shoots there and the growth of starter numbers and probably in about two or three weeks I'll be a lot clearer on what the fall crop has been this year versus last year. Mm, there's so many moving parts, spinning plates. Really, oh, it's like many, a giant, many. giant ecosystem. Yeah, I can, I really can sympathise with that, Bruce. And, and and that's why those things that have taken you, that you've been passionate about, that have taken you a wee while, like the uh, the jockey kind of progress and and professionalisation part of it. I know that why it's kind of. I understand how it's taken a little bit of time, but it's really exciting to hear that stuff like that is starting to come off the ground. Just lastly, from me, mate, where, how are you placed? Do you um. You're obviously a man of many talents. You've done a very good job, I believe, in this this industry in particular. I'd like to think that you've enjoyed your time to this point and you're starting to reap some benefits of your early leg work. Are you, you pretty comfy or what's going on? Oh, look, no, look, I think, Louis, there's a lot to do. You know, you can paint the shop and it looks good from the outside. We've got to make sure that the fundamentals that underpin the industry are solid. And I you know, alluded to a few things like our fall crop, um, you know, even internal, you know, we've moved a head office from Petone to Cambridge and that'll complete in October this year. That's been a major undertaking. You know, we've got 40-odd staff and managing that has been huge. But it's again, it's one of these things that I think best serves the industry for decades ahead and needed to be done. Um, so, look, we've got a lot to do. Uh, we by no means, well, anywhere near a completed uh, picture for me. And I think uh, the longer I've been in the role, Louis, it's one of these ones that you never get to the end of. Um, but I do feel that we've got to set up a framework that sets the business up or the industry up um, in perpetuity. And, and personally, for me, it's making sure our funding streams are solid. And uh, one of the things that I've been at pains to explain to the industry as I've moved around the country over the last two weeks is we have to all have a focus on wagering growth. We have to make sure that yes. we do everything we can to present a product in a fashion that makes people want to put an extra dollar on. And if that's the case, we'll look back in five or ten years and say, hey, this was worth it. But I've implored everybody, there is no us and them here. We're all in this together. And the, and the sooner we pull together and act as one, the better off we're going to be. Well, our texter Scott must be a psychic because he, he texts just as you were saying that. Where are we at with geo-blocking? Yeah, look, again, it's a major piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, we, 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 through the TAB, who lobby directly with uh, the minister and the government, um, I think there is some positive movement in that space. And um, I have an expectation that, you know, sometime in the not-too-distant future, we could see some positive outcome for that. And already that's linked in if we do get the stroke of the pen or the nod, and that's another significant lift to uh, the revenue uh, in the business over the next four years as a minimum. But as Entain will tell you, once we get that, they can uh, shore up the 250, 300 million that's leaking um, through to offshore operators uh, currently. That's certainly going to help the domestic revenue as well. So, yeah, look, without wanting to count the chickens, um, I'm pretty positive about where that could end up inside this, this, well, hopefully inside this season. There you go, Scott. You ask, we get the answers. Hey, um, Bruce, lovely to chat from Smithy and me. It's nice to catch up. Good on you with the NZB Kiwi and for everyone that's been involved. It's been cool to see this kind of half a year progress. It's gone so far, so fast. Um, I'm sure we'll talk again pretty soon, eh? Yeah, look, thanks, guys. I really appreciate your support ongoing. Uh, you know, we, we've seen a few changes. There's a few more to come, but we just want to keep... Uh, Keep the sport up where it should be. As, I, as I've always said, I grew up where we were rugby racing and beer 
I want to make sure that we get back into that conversation and mainstream. So thanks again for your support.